Welcome back to our study of eschatology. This is session number four of our study of the doctrine of last things. And we're talking now about personal eschatology. We said in our first session that there's personal eschatology and there's cosmic eschatology. Personal eschatology refers to what's going to happen at our end, what happens when we die and, and things like that. And then cosmic eschatology refers to what's going to happen at the end of the universe as we know it. And so right now we're focusing on personal eschatology and we've talked about how thinking about last things is designed to promote our holiness. That's um, one of the chief emphases of the New Testament when it talks about last things is to encourage us to pursue Christ likeness and holiness in the present in light of what's going to happen in the future. We talked about uh, what the Bible says about death and how death is transformed by the gospel for believers. We talked last time about burial. Is there such a thing as Christian burial? How should Christians think about burial and what's uh, what we want to happen to us when we die. And so we talked about that last week. If you missed any of those, I encourage you to check out those videos as well or those teaching sessions if you're listening on the podcast. And uh, this week we're going to talk about uh, the intermediate state. The intermediate state. Now, uh, we call it the intermediate state in contrast to the final state. When we get to cosmic eschatology, we will talk about the final state, the new heavens and the new earth, or sometimes it's called the eternal state. Uh, what, is go what it's going to be like at the end when everything is settled and God has um, so wrapped up the story that he's been telling and, and really brought about a new beginning at the end of the story. Um, that's the eternal state. But today we're going to talk about the intermediate state. We call it the intermediate state because it has to do with what happens in between. Um, in between the present, right now, and the final state. Or you can say in between um, the coming of Christ and the final state or in between the beginning of the world in a sense uh, and the end of the story. What happens in the middle? What happens when somebody dies and Jesus has not yet come back and there's, there's no new creation, new heavens and new earth um, yet? What happens now? when somebody dies. Um, so uh, th again, this refers to, can refer to, you know, what happens to people from, from the time of Adam and Eve all the way up until the time of Christ's return. But we're focusing on what the New Testament says um, about this reality. So we'll, we'll kind of narrow it down and say, um, if you, if, when someone dies between the first and second coming of Christ, what happens to them? All right. So, um, that's our question for today. So what happens when we die? The first thing um, that is important to know about what happens when we die is that our body and our soul are separated. And this is not ideal, right? This is not the way God created things to be. This is, again, part of why death is so terrible. We talked about uh, what the Bible says about death 
a couple weeks or so ago, and uh, death is not presented in a positive light in the Bible. It's not a natural thing. It's, it's not a good thing. It is a foe, an enemy, but thankfully it is a defeated enemy and will one day be a vanquished enemy when Christ returns. But uh, it is an enemy nonetheless, and it brings about a state that is not ideal. The separation of our soul from our body. The Bible does teach that um, human beings are um, or consist of both a body and a soul. For example, in uh, Matthew 10, 28, Jesus says, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. In other words, there is more to you than your physical body. There is also um, a part of you called the soul, right? An an, um, immaterial part of your existence, of who you are. And so we have both body and a soul. And when we talk about uh, death, usually we're talking about physical death, and that means the death of our physical bodies. Now, if all we were were physical bodies, then at the death of our body, we would cease to exist. But we are not merely bodies. We are body and soul. And so when our body dies, our soul continues to exist. Um, And so what happens to uh, our body and what happens to our soul? Two different things happen. You get two different uh, parts, so to speak, of of a, of a human being, of a human person, and those um, two parts, um, different things happen to them when physical death occurs. So when um, when we die physically, what happens to our body? Let's start there. When we die physically, our body returns to the ground or returns to dust. In uh, I think it's in the Book of Common Prayer, in the uh, uh, the service for uh, burial, there's the, the, the famous phrase, ashes to ashes and dust to dust. That comes uh, right from the Bible. The Bible says uh, in Genesis chapter 2 that when God created Adam, it said the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature. Now, there, the, the word soul is not in that passage, but there you sort of get the first hint that uh, a human being is more than a physical body because um, God breathes life into Adam. I'm not saying that's necessarily uh, you know, God giving us a soul in that moment, um, but it does indicate that we are more than a physical body, right? Um, then Genesis uh, 3.19 and the curse that God pronounces on the serpent and the a man and the woman and the creation because of Adam and Eve's sin. Genesis 3.19 says, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So we were formed out of the Adam was formed out of the ground, and when he dies, he's going to return to the ground. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Ecclesiastes uh, 3.20 says, All are from dust, and to dust all return. So what happens to our physical bodies is that they die, and they go into the ground. Um, When we talked last week about 
uh, burial and thinking about what the Bible says about burial and whether um, cremation is acceptable and, and that kind of thing. And we talked about how one of the concerns people have is uh, will creation, uh, cremation somehow hinder uh, resurrection when, when Jesus returns? And the answer is no, because what uh, cremation, first one reason is because cremation simply accelerates um, what happens naturally to our bodies that re- returns to ashes or dust. And the other reason is because there's nothing we can do that can stop God from doing what he promised to do. Right? So um, our, our bodies return to dust. Now what happens to our soul? There are lots of different ideas out there that people have, um, even inside of basically Christian-informed thinking. If you get outside of sort of a Judeo-Christian worldview, of course, there are even more different ideas about what happens uh, when we die. But even inside of sort of a, 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 a somewhat Christian-informed way of thinking, there are um, a lot of different ideas out there. There are some um, who think that after we die that um, our, we get a second chance at salvation. Um, maybe our soul appears before the Lord and uh, we get a chance to realize if we were not believers, not followers of Jesus before, then maybe we get a second chance to be saved after we die. But the Bible says that that's not true. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Not a second chance, right? but judgment. Um, there is no second opportunity for salvation. That's part of why um, evangelism and uh, missions are so important. That's part of why it's so important for us to preach the gospel. That's part of why it's so important um, for you as an individual person to uh, trust Christ now if you haven't before because once you die, your opportunities for that are over. So there is no second chance for salvation. That's not what happens when we die. Um, And there's no purgatory. Um, The Catholic Church uh, teaches that there is uh, a place or an existence called purgatory where Christians go after they die if they have sins that they still need to um, suffer for and be purged of before they can go into heaven. Um, But the Bible doesn't teach that. And um, Protestants have rejected the doctrine of purgatory. One, because we don't believe it's taught in the Bible. And two, because it contradicts what we understand the Bible to say about what Jesus accomplished on the cross. We don't believe that the Bible teaches that Christians are required to suffer for their sin before they can enter heaven because the Bible says that Jesus suffered once for all in our place to pay for our sin. And uh, Hebrews makes that once for allness of Jesus' death really clear. And Romans 8.1 says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Um, the Bible's clear all over the place that Jesus' death is the full payment for our sin, is the only suffering required to atone for our sin. Uh, as we sing, Jesus paid it all. Uh, we don't have to suffer for our sin before we can enter heaven. So we don't believe in purgatory because it's not taught in the Bible and because uh, the Bible doesn't teach that there's any suffering for sin required uh, before we enter heaven. Another 
um, idea that's that's out there that's also um, n- not biblical, I don't believe, though it does borrow biblical language, is something called soul sleep. There, um, this is sort of a minority view um, within Christianity that there are people who think that when we die, our soul sleeps. In other words, goes into a, essentially an unconscious existence waiting for the return of Christ. So we don't experience any um, time in between our death and the return of Christ. We're simply sleeping in an unconscious state. Now that comes from, that idea comes from, um, I believe anyway, biblical language that describes our existence after death in terms of sleep. You see this in many places in the Bible. You see it um, in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 18 and 20 and 51. Um, you see it in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 15, a passage that's familiar to many of us where it says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Well, it sure sounds like the Bible is saying that people who have died are asleep. What is it saying? If it's not saying that our souls are asleep, why is it using that language? Well, um, it's probably using that language as uh, a euphemism for death, sort of a polite way to talk about death. Instead of just saying people who have died, it's saying those who have fallen asleep. And it's not hard to figure out where that language, that euphemism, that sort of metaphor would come from because um, when we die, we look like we're asleep. Um, And it could also be a way of referring to the fact that our body is in a temporary state from which it will awake at the return of Christ. So all of those are are ways that people have explained the Bible's uh, use of that sleep language that make perfect sense, that don't require us to come to the conclusion that our souls are asleep in some kind of unconscious existence, because that's not what the Bible teaches. What does the Bible teach? What happens to our soul when we die? If, If it's uh, not in purgatory and it's not asleep and it's not receiving a second chance of salvation. What is happening to us? What is happening to our soul? Well, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, uh, here's what the Bible says. In Luke 23, 43, the um, thief on the cross who uh, called out to Jesus and asked him to remember him when he entered his kingdom, Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Meaning, your body's going to die and somebody's going to bury you, but you, your soul, is going to be with me in my presence. We call that place paradise, right? 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 9 says, We are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, so while our soul is in our body still, while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith. We can't see Him. We walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body, our soul away from the body, and at home with the Lord. So if we die and our body is here in the ground, our soul, if we belong to Christ, 
is going to be at home with Jesus in his presence. Right? Uh, Philippians 1, 21 to 23, uh, Paul says, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. How can death be gain? He says, My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Death is gain because if I die, that means leaving here and being with Christ, being in the presence of Christ, which is better than being here in my physical body. It's not the best. The best is yet to come, but it is better. Right? So um, 1 Thessalonians 5, 10, and 11 says, God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake, that is alive, or asleep, that is dead, our body's dead, we might live with him, right? So even if we're asleep, even if our bodies are dead, we are living with him. We are alive with Christ. We're in his presence. So that's really clear from the New Testament what happens. It doesn't give us a lot of detail, but the basic idea is clear that when a believer dies, uh, it's their physical body that dies and then their soul goes into the presence of the Lord. What about for unbelievers? What about for non-Christians? They don't receive a second chance of salvation, They're not going into the presence of the Lord because they didn't confess the Lord. They didn't trust the Lord. So what happens to them? Well, the parable or the story um, of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke 16 uh, gives us a hint. And uh, here's some of what it says. He says, there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. So at a minimum, what we can draw from that story is that those who don't believe, those who don't trust Christ, they go to a place, this passage calls Hades, where they experience conscious torment, conscious suffering as a result of their sin and their rejection of Christ. Obviously, we don't want that for anybody. That's why we share the gospel, right? That's why um, Jesus died and rose so that anybody who believes in him can have forgiveness of sin and salvation and reconciliation with God and fellowship with him forever. So you don't have to be separated from him. You don't have to suffer for your sins. He suffered uh, so that you don't have to suffer if you trust him. He suffered uh, in the place of sinners so that we don't have to suffer. Um, so that's just sort of a, a one, one place. So there, there are others we could look at, but one place that uh, makes clear that um, believers, um, excuse me, unbelievers, they don't cease to exist after they die. Their soul continues to exist as well, but exists in a place of suffering. Now, I said that um, Paul says, to depart and be with Christ is better, and yet it's not best. There's something even better, and that is the hope that the New Testament holds out for us over and over and over of resurrection. 
resurrection. So next time, Lord willing, we'll talk about the return of Christ. And then after we talk about the return of Christ, we'll talk about the resurrection of believers, which is even better than our spirit being uh, going into the presence of the Lord because Jesus will raise our bodies and we will live physically with him in a new heavens and a new earth. Come Lord Jesus.